My wife cheated on me, and instead of acting publicly emotional, I got the most satisfying, soul-crushing revenge imaginable. I calculated everything and engineered a scenario so that she would have to give me the house, the kids, pay me child support, and subsidize the cost of my living for the rest of her life. And my plan ends with my kids seeing me as a saint and her as the evil one. Here's what I did. Subscribe to Am I the Jerk on YouTube and hit the bell to turn on notifications. This all happened to me a few years ago. I told a friend the story of my divorce and I was told to share. We started a few years ago. I thought we were happy. We were your usual suburban professional couple. Financially secure, healthy, good adult life. Two kids, a 14-year-old daughter and a 9-year-old boy at the time. I thought we had a healthy social life. We were going through one of your typical married couple rough patches. Both of us were working long hours, not spending enough time with each other. We were going through some developmental problems with my son and tensions in the house were running a little high. I noticed that she was spending a lot more time on her phone texting with her girlfriends. I didn't think much of it. I started making a much more concerted effort to get out of work when I could, help around the house, and be more emotionally available. But over the course of a few weeks, the gulf just kept getting wider. I ended up accidentally finding some messages when I charged an old iPad for my son to use. Her Facebook Messenger was still logged in and there were a lot of highly questionable messages with the guy from her hometown who I'll call Jim Bob Cooter, or JBC for short. The messages weren't completely inappropriate, but I could tell there were quite a few missing based on the times and the context of the messages. I made a mental note to keep an eye on this and went about trying to fix things up. The next day, I took the day off to knock out some projects that I thought would make her happy and left her some sweet notes reminding her how much I appreciated her, but she was once again in the corner of the living room texting her girlfriends. I took the boy's iPad to the office, opened up Facebook Messenger and watched in real time as my wife tore me down. Her and JBC were making fun of me. All of my flaws, insecurities and secrets I entrusted to my partner were now fodder for her and JBC. Not only that, but while there wasn't outright sexting, there was a sexual undertone to the whole conversation, especially when she was bashing my performance in the sack. I managed to take some screenshots but missed a good bit of the messages because as the conversation was unfolding, she was deleting them. I wasn't emotionally capable of confronting her. I stayed in the office until she was asleep and had a couple of drinks. I took off work the next day and spent some time soul searching, drinking, and trying to figure out what to do. The wife came home and wanted to know what was wrong, and I just copped out and told her I had a bad day. A couple minutes later, I was watching the iPad as the train wreck kept unfolding. So began a couple of solid weeks of taking screenshots, drinking, and detaching myself from the relationship. I knew there was no going back from this. The messages were now overtly sexual with my wife completely into it and JBC was sprinkling in I love yous. I consulted a lawyer and I got my options and started moving forward. Here's where everything got absolutely surreal. Watching the messages, I found out JBC was coming to town to spend a weekend of quality time with my wife in a pretty nice hotel. I was missing a good bit of the information. They must have had a phone conversation about it at some point, but I was able to to infer enough to get the when and where. And sure enough, the next day, the wife is buttering me up and wanting to take a spa weekend with the girls just to relax. And when she gets back, we can really focus on our marriage. I go with it all the way. It's the greatest idea she's ever had, and I'll do anything to get us back on track. I get with the lawyer and have him draft a strong separation agreement stating that she would move out, she would get weekend visitation, no child support in the interim until the 
divorce is final. Then I sit through the most agonizing two weeks of my life. After all this, most of my feelings for her are completely gone. I'm just seething with anger like I've never felt before. D-Day arrives. I take the day off work. I withdraw half of any money in any bank accounts we are joint on, leave her half alone. I had already redirected my paycheck to a new bank. I close our money market account and get a cashier's check for her half and deposit my half in my new account. I stop at Office Max and print out about 75 pages of Facebook Messenger screenshots and then I kill time because I don't want to be at home. She texts me that she's taking off and that she loves me. I tell her to have fun. I show up to the hotel at about 8.30 and call the wife's phone from the lobby. It goes straight to voicemail. They're probably already at it. Whatever. I walk up to the front desk and ask if I can use the phone to be connected to JBC's room. It rings three times and he picks up. Hello? JBC, can you send my wife down to the lobby please? I don't know what you're talking about bro. Okay then, I guess I'll have to call Mrs. JBC and get her down here. Totally a bluff. I knew he was married and I knew her first name but that was about it. JBC starts shuffling in a panic. You got five minutes. Click. Not even two minutes later, my wife comes walking out of the elevator looking a little flustered. I sit her down in the corner of the lobby. She starts spewing her nonsense saying that it's not what it seems and blah 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 blah. I tell her, I'm not here to argue. The things that are said in this pile of papers are what's going on. The only way that I'm not giving a copy of this to our daughter, your parents, and emailing it to everyone we know is if you move out immediately. My wife was very prideful. My daughter was going through a rebellious teen phase and her knowing probably would have forever killed their relationship. My wife was also her parents' golden child and she was always worried about what they thought of her. I didn't have much leverage and shame was my only card to play. Also, because her professional life is built up around her image, I knew that she would protect that at all costs. She starts sniffling and mumbling. Then I say, this is a check for half of the money in the money market account. I've withdrawn my half of the money from all the other joint accounts. You should have more than enough to get a place. She starts to cry a little. I could almost see the different thoughts and waves of emotions going through her, but now was the time to keep pressing. I then say, here is a separation agreement that I think is more than fair considering what's going on. I'm going to need you to look over this, sign it, and leave it at the house when you've got your stuff. Do you want to look through these screenshots? No. Okay, go have fun with JBC. Do not come back to the house or I'm going to send this, holding up the ream of screenshots, to everyone. I bounce out of the lobby and I can hear her start to have a breakdown. I get to the car and drive off to a parking lot and have my own crying rage fit. Previously, I would have cried in front of her and yelled and whatnot, but I managed to get my act together enough to pull it off. I don't know what she did that night or over the weekend. She texted and called over and over wanting to talk. I just turned the phone off and by the time Monday afternoon rolled around, there were movers getting her stuff and she delivered the agreement. I let her have a talk with the kiddos, basically saying mommy and daddy need some time apart. We still love you, etc, etc. Standard divorce talk. After a week, she wants to have a real talk for the first time. I oblige her because I've already got my stuff together and I've got an idea of what I want, but I should hear her out. She's so sorry. She wants another chance. She wants her family back. She'll do anything. She's on her knees crying into my lap. I have no intention of ever taking her back, but I tell her she needs to set up marriage counseling on her own time at a time that works for me. I tell her that I can't live with her, but she should be around the children to try and maintain a relationship with them. So starts our new normal of her coming over to the house, cooking and having dinner with the kids three nights a week. 
She always saved me a plate. I made myself scarce. Her cleaning the house and doing the kids' laundry and then heading back to her place. We went to counseling. It consisted of her working through her issues with a therapist, trying to figure out why she did it, her begging for forgiveness, and me stoically playing the victim. I was never going to give her another chance. All I wanted to do was kill time, establish myself as the primary caregiver to the kids, and establish her as not having residency in the house. After a few months, I go to my own therapist and I get diagnosed with depression and PTSD. I ask my work if it's possible to go part-time for the foreseeable future to deal with personal issues and it's no big deal. After six months of therapy, I told her that I couldn't forgive her right now and that I wanted an amicable divorce. But she is still the love of my life and maybe someday we could give it another try. She was devastated but agreed to the divorce if I promised to try again someday. Once the divorce was filed, I needed the kids to want to stay with me. I left a Google search for how to survive your wife's infidelity up on the shared PC at home. And I left some printed out infidelity articles not so hidden in the kitchen. My daughter found them and came to me crying. I told her she wasn't supposed to find those, that mom made a mistake, that mom still loves her, and that I would always be there for her. My daughter, who used to hold my wife in such high regard, now wouldn't talk to her without screaming, and it crushed her. Not surprisingly, when the court needed statements from the kids a few months later, little brother followed big sister's lead and they both wanted to stay with dad in the house that they grew up in. When the divorce was finalized, I got the house. I had to buy out some of her equity, but that's okay. I got primary custody of the kids. I got awarded generous child support due to the difference in our incomes due to me working part time. And now for the last two years, I've gotten to live in the house with my kids, work part time and get the now ex to subsidize it for me. And when she takes the kids over the weekends, I get to have my fun with Tinderellas and some friends with benefits that I've cultivated. In the eyes of my kids, I'm the patron saint of fatherhood for taking the high road and always being there. In the eyes of my ex, I'm the one that got away that she will always pine for. And I get the bonus of having her come over for friskiness whenever I want it by dangling that carrot of maybe getting back together in front of her. But that is never going to happen. So was I the jerk for how I handled getting cheated on by my wife. The original poster here basically pulled out the Uno reverse card. I don't think you can really ever recover from being betrayed in that way and being hurt that badly, but somehow he was able to look beyond that and try to salvage anything that remained. One thing I will say is the original poster is obviously the victim here. He was hurt. He was betrayed beyond belief. And basically she was trying to make him out to be the fool. But the one thing that doesn't really sit right with me, even though she is the one who damaged a relationship, is the way that the OP handled the situation with the kids. Yes, she did break her promise to you, but that doesn't mean that all bets are off. It sounded to me like there was an understanding that she agreed to his terms. He doesn't blast her to the kids about what happened. But instead of having that next conversation, he strategically laid everything out for them to find it. So that way he could absolve himself of saying, well, I didn't tell them. But it's kind of like this version's equivalent of lying by omission. I think the kids should have a right to know, but the whole point of it was to talk about it together. At least that's what I would assume the wife would have wanted. That's the whole reason why she signed that paper. Not to never tell the kids. If that was the case, it wasn't clear. It just felt a little manipulative to the kids. But I know not everyone's going to agree with that. I know a lot of you guys probably think that he was totally in the right to do so. But anyway, besides that, this was wild. You rarely ever hear of a story working out like this. Usually it's somebody that cheats in a marriage and somehow miraculously ends up with all the prosperity to follow afterwards. The person they cheated on has to fund their lifestyle for whoever they're continuing to be with after the marriage is even over through alimony or through divorce payouts, you name it. I think 
most people probably wouldn't have even understood to do this in the first place. So it makes me wonder if the lawyer is the one who told him how to do all this. Like I said a second ago, I don't think this guy will ever fully recover from this. He was going above and beyond trying to save this marriage by leaving work early when it was probably pretty difficult to do so, only to have her talking to some other guy behind his back in secrecy. And then not only that, but to physically act on it. She went to the hotel. She was in the room. It wasn't some theoretical cheating. She was actually there. But let me know how you guys see this situation. Do you think that what he did here was going too far or do you think everything was totally justified? Let me know your thoughts down below and jerk or not a jerk and why. An HOA scams its residents for over 10 years before one person who moves in finally fights back. Here's what happened. A good friend of mine about four years ago inherited the house of his grandparents. He decided to live there for the time being till he's decided what he wants to do with the house. He grew up in it, so he did not really want to sell it. Not even a week after he moved in, he got a visit from a neighborhood committee. They said they are the three board members of the HOA, the Homeowners Association, and are here so he can sign his membership papers. They were extremely nosy and rude. For example, one tried to get into the garage without so much as asking. When he stopped him, and asked him where he wanted to go, he had the audacity to say, I need to check your garage to see if everything there is in order. I have a right to do this bi-weekly and denying me access is an offense that will cost a fine. He then had enough of their audacity and kicked them out of the house. While doing so, one of the board members shoved some papers into his face and told him he needed to sign this right now. At this point, he was already living there for a week and these papers had to be signed before moving in. Once they were gone, he took a look at the papers. They were ridiculous and gave the HOA right that were simply unreal. They had, for example, a right to visit your home bi-weekly and check things like that you do not use the garage for storage and that you didn't have gasoline in containers in your garage. You had to mow your lawn every week. Snow had to be shoveled every two hours when it snowed, starting at five o'clock in the morning. You could not park more than one car on your grounds except inside the garage and a ton of other nonsense. A few days later, they came back and asked him why he did not sign the papers yet. They also wanted to check the garage garage again. This time, he would not even let them in and told them he would never become a member of their stupid club. To them, that meant war. Within a week, they sent him fines north of $1,000. Some of them were for denying them access to his home. Each was for $250. My friend simply did not take them seriously and used their stupid letters to help fire his grill. Then the day came where they went extremely too far. He came back and one of the board members had broken into his garage, stood in it, and was writing things down on his notepad. But that was not even the worst part. He had two wonderful oak trees in the front of the house. They had been planted by his great grandparents way back when they were newlyweds and they moved into this house. The HOA was in the process of taking them down. They had called a professional crew for this. One was already so damaged, basically all twigs were already down. It was just a stump that was left. The other one he had just started with, he lost it. He told the tree crew to stop right now and explain to them that he was the owner and what they did was highly illegal. They had no idea since the board member claimed these trees were in violation of the rules since supposedly too many leaves went to the neighbor's garden. He told them that there was no legal reason to put them down but the board member claimed I had given my okay because the trees were in violation of the rules of the HOA. He looked it up later. They actually had a bylaw that if a garden produces more than 140 liter stack 
stack of leaves within two weeks. The garden owner needs to take down the offending trees within two weeks. He told them that he would overlook them trespassing if they would be witnesses in court for him. Then he called the cops on the board members for trespassing and breaking and entering. They had actually used a bolt cutter to get into the garage. He always had it closed with a big bike lock after that since they had tried to get in twice before. The trial must have been glorious. Not only did they have to repay him for the lock and the tree, which was worth a ton of money, north of $50,000 if I remember right, plus damages for the second tree, he had a professional tree person look after it so all the damage healed properly, which alone cost nearly $1,000. But these idiots actually thought the trial would be unfair and tried to fight it, which probably cost them an additional ten dollars to $15,000 in lawyer and court costs. All in all, this whole trial must have cost them over $120,000. Then he went to civil court and sued them for emotional damage. He told them how much these trees meant to him since his great-grandparents had planted them with seeds from the home country. He really laid it on as thick as he could. Plus, he felt threatened by the HOA and can hardly sleep because he always fears that they're trying to get into his house. The court actually bought it and gave him $500,000 plus the cost for a state-of-the-art alarm system so that he can feel safe again in his own home. So put all together, he cost the HOA nearly $750,000. They had to file for bankruptcy and get a person to check the books so my friend would get his money. And the best part is safe for last year. The mediator found out that these three guys had been defrauded the HOA for well over 10 years and were giving out as many fines as they possibly could so that they could use it to bolster their income. All three had to sell their houses so they could pay out my friend. Now, he is, for most people, one of their favorite people living there and he constantly gets invited over for grilling and whatnot. You see, most people never wanted the HOA in the first place, but the board members practically forced them to sign the contracts claiming that it would not be optional and if they did not sign before moving in, it would be a $500 fine. Only Only six of the over 50 members actually wanted this HOA. And people think this is because they got a part of the action as a reward for spying out their neighbors to find violations. So was this going too far or was it justified? Was he the jerk? This was pretty crazy and in most of these HOA scams, the HOA rarely ever ends up getting caught. And even if they do, they generally don't get this type of extreme punishment where they're sued and fined from every direction. And the fact that they uncovered they've been doing this fraud for over 10 years is kind of crazy crazy. It sounds like a situation where they made some extra money, didn't get caught, decided to do a little bit more, didn't get caught, decided to do a little bit more again and again and again for 10 years to the point where their greed just got out of control. And now that's their new normal. If you've ever been in a situation like this, feel free to submit your stories via the link in the description. But if not, how would you handle this? Let me know down below. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. To finish listening to all the stories in this series, use the playlist at the top of the description. And next time you live stream, use the cream of the crop music. Search for cream of the stream on Spotify or whatever music platform you use for copyright free music to use for your stream. It's free cream of the stream. Either way, thanks a lot for listening. I'll see you guys next time.